This is part three of our series here. I wanted to let you guys know that we uh, talked for about an hour on this topic, so I decided to divide that hour into part two and part three. So enjoy, and I apologize for any abruptness in its starting and ending. Thank you. Okay, so like you just told me to say, Coach, <laughs> this is Sherry. This coach. is Coach Greg. And uh, like, if we sound a little loopy today, it's because we hardly got any sleep. <laughs> this is kind of an exciting topic, though, so hopefully we'll have some energy for it. But uh, we're going to dive into uh, part two on um, our sex series, which I didn't know was going to be a sex series. <laughs> but it is a big topic. It's an important topic. Mm-hmm. And I had some questions. Uh-oh. Yeah, last week. And a couple of things I wanted to get into because we kind of like initially we were going to talk to, you know, like younger, I mean, older couples, like 40 and and over, but we kind of went really to a foundation, which could apply to all ages. Yeah. But it was kind of like, I guess you would say maybe a foundation for the conversation to have before you enter into a serious relationship, right? Like, you know, make sure that you have agreement on those things. That way, you're not, you know, years and years later and your marriage is suffering because of, you know, disagreements, different paradigms, all of that stuff. That's right. Well, um, so my question, jumping off of that, I now want to get into more of the, maybe they've been, you know, married together for a long time. How do you start a conversation when you're at that point? I mean... Because you kind of, like, it sounds like what can happen is either people um, don't say anything for years, and then all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, okay, I want more than what I currently have. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned that in the last podcast, like they realize who they are, they realize life is, you know, shortening, right? Mm -hmm. And so they want to live life on their best terms. And, And so... I mean, that can sometimes seem unfair maybe to the other person. It's like, hey, you know, we've been together. We've been married for decades. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're throwing curveballs at me. Then you might have other instances where one of the the individuals had been saying the whole time, but nothing's changed. So can you address the first one? And how to start that conversation if they have remained silent because they were busy raising kids, didn't want to rock the boat, let's just get you know things done, whatever their reasons might be. Maybe they're a personality that doesn't like conflict and they're afraid, or they have paradigms where they're conservative and don't know you can talk about it. There's so many things. So here you are, a couple, been one for a long time, and all of a sudden one of the uh, you know persons is like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. I want this, I want that, blah, blah, blah. And then a person's like, what? Yeah. So it sounds complex, right? But the first thing to remember is nothing is all of a sudden in the couplehood. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing that we have to be able to establish. Yeah. If you didn't like it, you never liked it. Mm -hmm. Or you certainly didn't like it at the level that maybe you wanted to or... Whatever your particular temperament is, your sexual style or your needs, you have an idea of what that is. Mm-hmm. 
are you comfortable discussing that? That's a whole other subject, right? Okay. Okay, so when you consider all of these different factors, mm -hmm. and then in this scenario, we've gone down the road, and now we're 15, 20 years into our relationship, yeah. and one of the partners is, you know, is thinking, I want to feel something else in that relationship. Mm -hmm. The first thing for me is learning the couple's communication style. Okay. Because it's a very sensitive subject, right? Yes. And there's a lot of self-worth that's going to be involved with that. So we have to we have to really consider how do we communicate, mm -hmm. right? So that would be step one. So if I'm talking to that couple, I'm asking them about their communication style, um, how do they handle, um, you know, like hearing new information? Um, are they what I would call like high reactivity or low mm -hmm. reactivity. Because some people, when they hear something, they can immediately, um, you know, basically get really excited and anxious. And then, of course, once that happens and the ability to hear and process information right. is going to go down. So how do you do it? So having said all of this, so step one, um, who is the couple? What's your communication style? You know, once you have a sense of that, then we go into ownership. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it has to be ownership because someone allowed that situation to happen. That's good. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that person then is going to have to really think about what they believe that their partner is able to give them. So in situations like that. If they're not already having problems, and that's rare, mm -hmm. okay, because mm -hmm. generally, generally speaking, something is already happening in the relationship. Right. So if they show up together, then you can talk about, you know, how did we address this in the past? Yeah. How comfortable are we? What are we willing to do in terms of going forward? Because now you have to make sure that this partner that hasn't been doing what you would like to do, mm -hmm. you need to know whether or not if they're actually going to even be comfortable um, going with you to that next level. Right. And you also need to know what are you willing to do in case they aren't comfortable? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to make it cut and dry, but that's a really kind of complex issue. But if we say that they're comfortable with each other, they can talk about it. They love each other. Their relationship is good. Then we start a very slow process of really defining what we want that experience to look like. I'm going to turn and face you, Coach, because my neck's hurting. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, with that being said, I have a thought on the communication style. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've seen with couples is they will interpret communication through their communication style, not understanding the communication style of the other. That's right. And that's important because, you know, if you've got like a person that's just very straightforward and blunt, um, but maybe they have, you know, some hesitancy to bring it up because they don't want to hurt feelings mm -hmm. or they don't want any conflict or whatever. A lot of times I find couples will not bring stuff up because they don't want the reaction they would like to have a response, you know, they'd like mm -hmm. to discuss, but they don't want the reaction. So sometimes that keeps them out. So I think definitely knowing your communication style and then understanding your partner's communication style will go a long way because, you know, it's like 
like you said, you had this value statement around it and possible rejection. So you may take what they say as something personal. And really, um, to me, a lot of conflict is actually structural. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, when someone says something and you have a reaction, you're not like if you like, for example, so, um, I got two, a lady, uh, said that she's angry all the time. And I might've already told you it was at our intensive yesterday mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's, and I said, okay, what's making you angry? That was her assignment all week. Mm-hmm. I want you to know when mm-hmm. you're angry because typically there's a helplessness and there's a powerlessness attached. Um, and there might be a perceived injustice, but it may not be real. Mm-hmm. And, um, she said, okay. So we meet and she said, okay, I, I figured out every time I get mad, frustrated or irritated, those three adjectives is when people tell me I'm wrong and they mm-hmm. target me. And mm-hmm. I was like, now target's an interesting word. Yeah, it is. So define targeting <laughs> because yeah. you got, you know, if you're going to solve problems, you all have to be on the same page, right? And define mm-hmm. the terms. And she said, well, people just pointing out stuff. And I'm like, well, people need to point out stuff. I mean, if you can't have anyone say, hey, that behavior is harming our relationship or whatever, you're never going to have any. Right, right. And, uh, and so she gave me an example where something had happened and her boyfriend was like, well, you know, don't let that ruin your day. You know, and he's obviously optimistic. He's obviously, you know, an encourager. Mm-hmm. And she got mad at him. And, I, and she said, because he was telling me I was wrong. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't hear any wrong or right in that at all. He just said, "Don't let it ruin your day." Right. I said, I thought you said you trust him explicitly. Well, I do. I said, then why are you mad? Because he's encouraging you. And I said, so we need to get to the bottom of that, right? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, right. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. We're mm-hmm. challenging thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it all boils down to abuse. And the first time she felt a visceral. Um, you know, neurons that wire together, fire yep. together, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, she felt a visceral feeling of being wrong um, was tied to being abused. And so from that point on, she doesn't like it. Plus, she's a C personality and being wrong is her greatest fear. So we were mm. able to point out, okay, what you're dealing with has a bunch of past surrounding it so that any communications causing you to react versus respond and interpret what is being said through that. Right. The other example um, just went out my head, coach. <laughs> That's all right, then. We'll but <laughs> I thought it was interesting because, and then I've got another, um, it's a couple, and again, She's interpreting what he is saying through her personality and and then he's interpreting some of her stuff. And so when we ask him questions, it's nothing what she thought. Right. And so it's very fascinating. And part of that is he's been very closed off and quiet because he's just had his own things to deal with. So all that being said, maybe like let the air out of the balloon possibly like... And I, I gave them this exercise. I said, like, when you're ha- having conversation and you start feeling, right, the emotional intensity going up, just let the air out of the balloon and realize this is a structural thing that's going on 
where you've got structures of thoughts, you've got structure of personality, right? right? Mm -hmm. And you can talk through this without thinking you're being attacked. And when you feel your emotions going up, you just need to let the steam out because the end game is if y'all come to a resolution, your life will be better than ever. Well, this is true. So again, when we started the series, the first thing we said was, it all starts with the thinking. Yes. Right? So... The structure that you're talking about were in existence before the relationship even occurred. Very true. Yeah. Right? So that's really step one. And this is why for me, when I look at how that relationship was formed and we get down the road some years, it's not, how can I say this? It's not really an issue to me that if a couple has family and then you kind of grow apart a little bit and then you kind of come back together, those kinds of things can happen in your relationship, sort of like a sine wave in a way, right? Um, But the nature of the relationship is the one that really determines what they're going to be able to do or how they handle the change. If you communicate with each other well, your relationship is warm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there's caring, there's consideration. Maybe there's some things that you're you're missing sort of like in that relationship that you would like to experience, but it's not there, but it's not really disappointing. Okay. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yes. And so then... When you're moving down the line and you're saying, okay, our children are out of the house, and then you can say, hey, look, can we have this kind of a conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, we're older now and our children are gone. And um, and there's something I would like to talk about because I feel like I would like to experience mm-hmm. this with you. Mm-hmm. So in a statement like that, you hear me take all the ownership. Mm. I acknowledge where we've been. Yes. And then I take the ownership for my needs and what I would like to experience. And where would you like to go? Yeah. And where I would like to go. Yeah. Now, when the relationship is set up so that you can hear that, Mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah, we can talk about it. And now all of a sudden, you can have a situation that might appear to be stressful. And then they get together and they say, you know what? I could see that. Yeah. Well, how can I help you? Um, What do we need to do? Once you hear that language, then that couple, then they can go wherever they want to go in their experience, right? right? Because they had set it up in the beginning with the very nature of their relationship, how they talk to each other, um, how they communicate non-verbally, how yeah. they deal with challenges and circumstances in their relationship. Companionship, Ex- all those things. They fed into the relationship all those years. Exactly, because all of those things are part of the experience Mm -hmm. right and i would say also understanding who your partner is not who society says that they are gender or otherwise right because those are some of the things that really get in the way when you talk about a structure Mm -hmm. so women are this way men are this way we really want to get away from that type of thinking because Mm -hmm. it will really Uh, make it difficult for us to see what that partner is really saying to us because now you're looking through the prism. Well, he's the guy saying he wants this or this is the woman saying she wants that, right? She wants cuddles and I want something else. And it's like, nope, get your communication right. 
based on who you two are as individuals to each other, not what society says a woman is or what a man is. That's so important because I remember um, uh, one lady was, you know, talking about a, a couple to me, which I didn't like, but I kind of need to know just because of the situation at the time. Well, anyway, she said, well, I mean, you know, for a man, and she can find a man's sexuality and you know, a certain grid. And I was looking at her. I said, well, did you ask the man if that's true? Because you're putting on him something that he may not be. Well, no, that's every man. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't know what he is until I ask him. I'd like to offer my condolences to that person. (laughs) I mean, it was amazing. Like just putting people in a box. Okay, so you got a good nature uh, as far as a a relationship where you can have brave communication, considerate communication, but what about those that, because to me, you know, sex always starts outside the bedroom. It it always does. You know, thoughts and kind actions, companionship, taking care of one another, knowing what each other likes and dislikes, but you've got some where... That's not been, I I could tell you, coach, the dominant thing I hear from wives is, um, like when I mentor is, uh, I feel like a prostitute. I feel like I have to do all this stuff. I have to do the dishes. I have to do the laundry. I have to help them in this business. I have to do this, this, and this. And then I have to go to bed with them. Like that's further payment. I hear that all the time, coach. So again, Let's go back to the relationship, right? Yeah. So now we're talking about the intangible things again. Okay. So if your communication is not great Mm -hmm. and your ability to share with each other what you committed to in your relationship is not where it needs to be, then you can forget um, having the emotional experience that you're going to have or seek to have when you take that relationship into physical intimacy. You might as well just be a blow-up doll. You might as well just, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> whoops. I mean, that's all you're going to get, you know. Oh, but me. it is, Coach, oh. because what I have found in those relationships is an absolute blindness. And sometimes both of them, there's mm-hmm. some blind areas. But usually in one of them especially, there is an absolute blindness to what the other is trying to show them or say to them, they don't hear it. Yes. So um, I can't think of all of these <laughs> magazines, but I've said before. Hope um, I didn't mess you up on the book. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> Mannequin. <laughs> oh, it, it was funny. Oh, damn. That was funny. Um, excuse me, uh, listeners. <laughs> uh, so, yes. <clears throat> Where was I going? Magazine. Yeah. So... When I hear, and I'm going to say other clinicians, talking about something from a red book or some other kind of magazine and stuff like this, I'm like, look, here's the first problem. Mm -hmm. So a man's nature is not written in a book. Right. Nor is a woman's nature written in a book. Right. The first disservice you ever do is to try to make every woman the same Every man the same. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some things that are different. Yeah. Right? So, men and women form different structures. Yep. So, most men have what I call very 
casual relationships. Okay. And out of those casual relationships, they might have one or two of those where they're closer. I could see that. They wouldn't necessarily call it a love relationship, but they could be really strong friends. Right. Now, when you, now on occasion, you can find men that can have an emotional relationship like women, Mm -hmm. non sexual, Mm -hmm. right? Right. But that's rare. Yeah. Okay. That's just just rare. And a lot of that, again, if you want to use structure and paradigm and conditioning, that has a lot to do with it. Okay. So then. What happens is all of the emotional stuff that a guy seeks is coming from one source. Right. His partner. Yes. Right. So he wants everything emotionally from her because that's the way his life is set up primarily. Again, we're not saying that you don't have friends, you don't have hobbies and all of that. We're just saying, what does your emotional life look like? Mm -hmm. Well, Conversely, if you look at women, you got your girlfriends, you got your sisters, you got your mom. There's different things that you can actually talk and share about, right? right? Depending on the nature of the relationship. Guys are not going to do that. You know, guys are not going to say, well, you know, I got a sexual question. Can we talk about it? (laughs) No, because he's thinking that his buddy's going to say, oh, you having a problem there. (laughs) Here, let me give you a blue pill. No, let me knock at your door when you go to work. Oh, <laughs> well, goodness. That, you see what that the, went sideways. Yeah, went. but that's okay. Yes. But this is what I'm saying, because there's yeah. a lot of fear in emotional intimacy. Yeah. So discussing something that you need emotionally or how it's going, that's... That's difficult for men, not because it can't be done, but because it's not something that's practiced. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then they're going to other sources to try to get that information. Now, it can happen on the flip side. But what I'm the, the point I'm really making is that understanding what your partner's nature is, not what some magazine told you it is. Now, if if you're going to make light of a guy who is, I'm going to say he's, oh, 2,500 watt light bulb. Mm-hmm. And then you got a guy over here, he's a 25 watt light bulb. Right. Well, guess what? The sexual intensity in these two men is night and day. Right. So if you marry or you're connected to a 2,500 watt light bulb kind of guy, he's going to have a very different sexual nature Mm -hmm. than the other person. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what kind of person that you're with. If you're a 10 watt light bulb female and and you might look great, but then, (laughs) but then all of a sudden the guy is talking to you. It's like, boy, that guy's got some energy. Well, guess what? He's burning at 2,500 watts, right? Yes. Do not Become a partner with that person. Yes. Because every time you turn around, you're going to think he's chasing you. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with this man. Every time I turn around, it's like, it's not him, love. It's you. You've got the wrong one. You need to go and get the guy that's like you. Right. Mm -hmm. But he may not look like the one that you're fascinated with, but you can't hang with it. so true though it is is so true and i mean and it's funny because i guys like that Mm -hmm. it's like dude you're burning at 10 watts your your wife your partner over here is burning at 3000 and she's basically trying to get me to convince you that you need to change and i'm looking at you and i'm thinking 
you're in trouble. You know, that reminds me of something I learned um, probably about a couple months ago. And I was curious, because uh, I've thought about that same thing, where you know, you have the 2,500 watt versus a 25 watt, because I, I never like putting people in boxes, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's different. And I was like, I wonder if there's like, you know, some science behind that, some research behind it. And I already knew like some people are more like driven by a dominant hormone than others, you know, like um, certain ones, maybe more serotonin based or more uh, dopamine based, things like that. I mean, we all need it, but some are more dominant. Well, I thought, I wonder if that pertains to drive and things like that. So I found out that there's, and there's probably more, but the two I discovered is the sexually responsive, sexually driven. And this has helped so much when I've been talking with um, couples, because it seems like if you're not careful and you end up a 10 watt marrying a 3,500 watt, then you've got one that's responsive, one that's driven, and it can cause frustration on both sides. Like that mm. seems to be what I see. So on the driven, they it's a high drive. Yeah. So the least little thing, the le- you know the look, you know whatever it is, they're ready to go. I, in fact, I've got a young man now that um, he used to drink a lot, and now that he doesn't. You know, he's having to navigate through a higher drive. And it was funny because they're young, him and his wife, and I was chuckling because, you know, I'm like 48. So I'm like, oh, that's funny. But they have <laughs> they have young kids. And so, you know, like if he's cooking or something, he's like, you know, I'm trying to cook. I don't want to, you know, be all excited. And then, you know, the kids are around and stuff. And so I just need, you know, like, don't do that. <laughs> and that was basically what he's saying. Please don't do that when the kids are around. She's like, oh, okay, you know. And we were just kind of defining that area, right? So he would be driven. And his wife is beautiful, and he finds her attractive. And I said, do you understand the power you have over your man? You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. very powerful, mm-hmm. and you need to be careful with that, you know. And, right. And um, and then she's actually driven, too. She has a high drive. So they, they're figuring things out post-drinking, right, because it lowered his drive. Mm-hmm. But then you have some people where you've got the high drive, but then you have the responsive. And so I discovered the responsive are those that they rarely have a drive. It's it's rare, but once you like once you make a move, they will respond. But they're not typically going to be the ones that are going to be like necessarily overt, necessarily um, chasing you around, you know, the house or anything like that. They're going to be more responsive to your initiations well that's helpful for a lot of women because especially but maybe men too because they think something's wrong with them if they don't have a a high drive and i always tell people go get your hormones checked do all that you need to do but know there are different you know people with different drives or responses and that you can learn how to operate within who you are and if your husband or your wife or whatever would like you to be more, you know, initiative, like, you know, every once in a while, then you can do that. You can figure that out. There's, It's very easy to do. What do you think about that? So whether or not one tends to initiate one and the other responds, to me, that's that's fine mm-hmm. because a lot of that is going to be condition and paradigm driven okay. for the most part, right? Um, like men hunt, women nurture. Mm-hmm. But we know in the real world, um, hunting and nurturing can really take different 
farms, There's right? There's those cougars, coach. Well, look, I'm just you know, always they do some that, hunting around there. I always there. say that um, <clears throat> I always say that the woman is the predator that's not moving, and the guy just doesn't know it. <laughs> but would but do you, so you think it's only paradigm? Because I've met so many women that they're free; they don't mind, you know. There's no prudishness with them, right? But they they are just not driven like it seems maybe their spouse is, right? But this is but that's going to be a temperament thing as okay. well too, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say for instance, now I can't speak for women, mm-hmm. but I can speak to the studies on men. Okay, and that is when you find men who tend to be highly successful and driven, yeah, right? They tend to have higher sex drives, yep. right? Now. But that's not every man that's in business, right? right. That's, that's just not because, but generally speaking, yes. A lot of those men, though, some of them are like, I just want somebody who I can be with. Mm-hmm. And then you have some of those men that are like, you know what? I don't just need somebody to be with, but she needs to be able to match my intensity. Yes. Okay. So, again, we got to go back. To the communication part, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not so much whether or not if she initiates, but in her response, where do they go with it with each other, mm-hmm. right? Because right. they pretty much, I would probably say their sexual styles are going to follow suit with their communication styles. That makes sense. So whatever that looks like, that's typically how that's going to proceed. Now, if you're saying, how do we make sure that we are both satisfied in the experience, then you need to be very clear about what it is that you seek to experience in that moment. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Because like for people that I've met that, you know, they've been concerned that they don't like have this high drive, you know, it's like, well, I mean, really, it's like turning on a switch. And so one thing I've done is like just given suggestions to where, you know, they can, I guess you would say, be in the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's been very helpful, but they thought something was wrong with them. And I was like, no, nothing's wrong with you. But what is your, your partner needing from you? Because, you know, if they need specific things and they've repeatedly said it and it's not, you know, morally or conscious objectionable to you, then you're going to need to up your game here. So regardless of whether you're responsive or driven, you need to be listening to what they're saying and then do what you can to make sure that they get that. And not only that, but, you know, like they say, if you, you know, starve yourself, you lose your appetite. The more you feed this sucker, the more you want more, right? That's right. So there are some things that 